Democrats search for answers after Roe versus Wade is overturned. Generation Z reconsiders a life of promiscuity and hedonism to the media's consternation. And the Supreme Court upholds religious freedom. Again, I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, you're paying way too much for your cell phone bill. I mean, I know you're paying way too much for everything right now because Joe Biden is president and he's terrible, but this is also true of your cell phone provider. And you're paying for like a lot of extra stuff you're not actually using. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they charge you a premium fee every month for data you don't actually use. So why are you paying for things you don't use? That's a silly thing to do. Instead of paying 89 bucks a month, your current provider pay just 20 bucks to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch. I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, is the coverage really going to be good? Am I going to drop calls or have slow internet? I can tell you firsthand, the 5G service is that good because they use the same tower network as one of the big guys. Switching to Pure Talk is super simple. So listen, if you've been sitting on the fence because, you know, the big phone company propaganda got you, don't do it anymore. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your very first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro to get started. Again, that's puretalk.com. Enter promo code Shapiro. I did it myself. My parents have done it also. It's very easy to switch over. You can keep your phone. You might be able to get a new phone. Go check them out right now at puretalk.com. Use promo code Shapiro to get started and save 50% off your very first month of coverage. Well, people are very upset about Roe versus Wade and the entire news cycle is being eaten by Roe versus Wade. It's easy to forget that there are other things happening in the world and those things are actually far likelier to affect the 2022 election then the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which, as I have said, is an issue that is likely to be relegated back to the states. It will become an issue in terms of state legislative elections all over the country. But in terms of federal congressional elections, probably not. There are other issues that are going to matter more to people. I'm just putting it out there right now because it is currently June 28th. The elections are not until November. So those issues are going to include things like the fact that we have a massive immigration crisis on the border that the media have largely been ignoring. We have record numbers of illegal immigrants who are arriving at our southern border, record numbers of people being turned away, and record numbers of people who are entering. They're being both monitored by Border Patrol and also escaping Border Patrol. They're being ushered into the country and released into the interior. And when you have an open border with no serious efforts at creating a, an actual immigration policy, what you end up with is human rights atrocity. And that's what, exactly what happened in San Antonio last night. According to KSAT.com, 46 people, 46 people were found dead in a tractor trailer on the Southwest side. 16 have been transported to area hospitals, according to San Antonio police and fire officials. It's tragic, said San Antonio Mayor Ron Nuremberg. They had families, were likely trying to find a better life. It's nothing short of a horrific human tragedy. Authorities said this is the, la the largest mass casualty event they have seen in San Antonio. Apparently, this is an immigration issue. Officials would not immediately confirm if the victims were migrants or what country they were from. San Antonio Police Chief William McManus said officers received a call 10 minutes before 6 p.m. Monday to the 9600 block of Quintana Road when a person working nearby heard a cry for help. When the worker approached, he saw several bodies inside an 18-wheeler trailer with its doors partially open. Crews with the San Antonio Fire Department arrived at the scene. They found stacks of bodies in the trailer and many people too weak to let themselves out. According to the SAFD Chief Charles Hood, 46 people, men and women, ranging from teens to young adults, were pronounced dead at the scene. He said they died from heat stroke and heat exhaustion because the trailer had no air conditioning and no water. Temperatures reached more than 100 degrees on Monday, which means people were basically cooked inside this truck. The Mexican Secretary of External Relations tweeted Monday night, the 46 people died of asphyxiation. At least two of the people in the trailer were from Guatemala. The survivors were rushed to local hospitals with heat-related injuries. Apparently, again, this is the, the predictable result of a homeland security failure. And the fact that we have no actual policy at the southern border, the fact that migrants are being trafficked across the southern border by some of the worst people on earth, and that the federal government not only does nothing about it, but seems to poo-poo the idea of doing anything about it, is going to be not only a blot on this administration, but is going to be a continuing issue in politics for the foreseeable future until the United States decides to lock down its border in a serious and real way and have some sort of predictable and administratable system by which we can bring in people who legitimately ought to be in the country and by which we can reject people who ought not. Otherwise, you're going to end up with more and more situations like this. This is a mass casualty event in the United States due to bad border policy by the federal government. It is that simple. Meanwhile, the economy continues to be in the doldrums. According to the Wall Street Journal, the current inflation was sparked by fiscal policy. The government printed or borrowed about $5 trillion and sent checks to people and businesses. The U.S. has borrowed and spent before without causing inflation. People held the extra debt as a good investment. That this stimulus led to inflation thus reflects a broader loss of faith that the U.S. will repay its debt at all. 
the Federal Reserve's monetary policy tools to cure inflation are blunt. By raising interest rates, the Fed pushes the economy toward recession. It hopes to push just enough to offset the stimulus's fiscal boost, but monetary breaks and a floored fiscal gas pedal mistreat the economic engine. Raising interest rates can lower stock and bond prices and raise borrowing costs, cutting into home construction, car purchases, and corporate investment. The Fed can interrupt the flow of credit, but higher interest rates don't do much to discourage people from spending government stimulus checks. At best, the economy is unbalanced. The economy needs investment in housing. Today's demand is tomorrow's supply. This is according to John Cochran, writing for The Wall Street Journal. Slowing the economy isn't guaranteed to reduce inflation durably anyway. Even in the 2008 recession, with employment above 8%, core inflation fell only from 2.4% in December to 0.6% in October 2010, and then bounced back to 2.3% in December 2011. At this rate, even temporarily curing 6% May 2022 core inflation would take a dismal recession. So a lot of the Biden administration policy is not going to be solved by simply the, the idea that the Federal Reserve is going to raise those interest rates. Says Cochran, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, monetary policy alone can't cure sustained inflation. The government will have to fix the underlying fiscal problem, short-run deficit reduction, temporary measures, accounting gimmicks will not work. Neither will about of growth-killing, high-tax austerity. The U.S. has to persuade people that over the long haul of several decades, it will return to its tradition of running small primary surpluses that gradually repay debts. That outcome requires economic growth, which raises long-run taxable income. Raising tax rates alone is like climbing a sand dune. Each rise hurts income growth. The U.S. also needs spending reform, especially on entitlements. The good news is inflation can end quickly if there is joint fiscal, monetary, and economic reform. The inflation targets New Zealand, Israel, Canada, and Sweden adopted in the early 90s are good examples. They included both deep fiscal and economic reforms. The question is whether Joe Biden's going to do any of that. And right now, the appearance is no. He's just going to ignore reality on the ground. And this is particularly true with energy, energy production. I mean, you may not have noticed, but gas is still well above $5 a gallon almost every place in the United States. And Joe Biden, whose plan seems to be that he is going to just go to the UAE and the Saudis and ask them to pump more without actually allowing for significant loosening of restrictions on investment in oil and natural gas in the United States. He was told by Emmanuel Macron at the G7 yesterday, he was caught on camera, Macron, telling Biden they don't have any more gas to pump. They cannot increase their supply. You need to start increasing your supply like forthwith. Your bad green policy, the same policy the French adopted and the Germans and the rest of the Europeans at the behest of a whiny 17-year-old Swedish teenager those policies are a giant failure, according to Emmanuel Macron, French president. So, I got him, he told me two things. One, I'm at the maximum, maximum, what he claimed, and this is my prepared commitment. Second, he told me, according to us, the Saudis can increase a little bit, but 150 or a little bit more, and they, they don't have huge capacities. At this stage, before six months' time. The last one, the, la the, very, the very last point is about... Uh, and Biden's like, where's my pudding? Where? Macron's telling him straight up, UAE and Saudi do not have the capacity to pump the way you want them to. He's begging him to pump more. And Biden's like, yeah, but, but Matlock's on. Joe Biden's economic plans, uh, they are garbage. And even the French president knows that at this point. Well, here's the thing. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen openly admitted that she blew it when it came to inflation just last month. This person, she's supposed to be the authority on our nation's economic policy. She said in a statement to CNN, I was wrong about the path inflation would take. There have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that at the time I didn't fully understand. So now we're supposed to believe that they do understand and they get it now and they're going to fix everything. Or alternatively, maybe you should not trust them which is why you should invest at least some of your money in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. Protect your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying your 401k or IRA into physical gold. It's not too late for you to take action right now. Text Ben to 989898. Get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. Birch Gold Group has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers. Text Ben to 989898. Get real advice from Birch Gold today. Again, text Ben to 989898. Claim your free, no-obligation info kit on protecting your savings with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get started today with my friends over at Birch Gold. So here's the thing. While the media are consumed with the, I think, unbased position that abortion is going to decide the 2022 elections, I have serious reservations about whether that is the case. I do not think abortion is going to be the key issue in 2022. I don't think it's going to be the key issue on the election front in 2024, 2026, 2028, or beyond. The reason I say this is because I am almost certain that the Supreme Court of the United States in delegating this issue back to the states the way that it was for literally all of American history has basically now said that the Congress of the United States is not going to be the chief mechanism by which abortion policy is decided. 
that if this is going to be decided on a federal level, it will have to be done through constitutional amendment. And the reason I say this is because the same court that just overruled Roe versus Wade also happens to believe in the basic precepts of federalism. And there is no delegated power to the Congress of the United States to actually pass wide-scale pro-abortion or pro-life legislation via the powers that are delegated to it by the Constitution of the United States. You have to actually have a delegated power under the Constitution in order for Congress to do something. Typically, that means commerce power. So you will see, for example, the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act that passed in the 2000s, in the early 2000s. It was connected to any sort of partial birth abortion that affects interstate commerce. But as the Supreme Court of the United States becomes more originalist, the Interstate Commerce Clause is not going to allow for the possibility of widespread regulation on a variety of issues. So I just don't think this is going to be a major federal election issue. I think that it's a media issue, but I also don't think it's going to be a major federal election issue. Now, the one way it will be a major federal election issue is that the culture wars matter and the image of the two parties matters an awful lot. So the left is trying to paint the right as abortion banning John Lithgow from Footloose. And the right is trying to paint the left as radical on social policy. Now, I think it's going to be a lot easier for the right to do this than the left. The reason I say this is because the left is actually doing all these things publicly. And the things that they are doing shock the conscience. The pro-life position is controversial, but it's not nearly as unpopular as the position that drag queens in schools are a good thing and that we need to trans the kids. These positions are not winners. And yet the Democratic Party has decided to full-scale embrace a lot of those positions. They may think that they are winning the culture wars because honestly, for all of my life, the left has won the culture wars. But there comes a point where the left has pushed too far. Circa about 2013, 2014, they sort of hit their high watermark. And that was the Obergefell case in which they had same-sex marriage made the law of the land. And most Americans were like, okay, is the battle over now? Like, can we, can we just like go back to our regular lives and be left alone? And the left said, no, you absolutely cannot. We must have abortion on demand everywhere across the United States. We must educate your children in the glories of LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign queer theory. We have to do all those things. Those, th those are things we must, that is the next step in the civil rights battle. And the backlash is coming and the backlash is here and the backlash is strong because we are now seeing that for a long time, for most of my life, and certainly for generations before, there is a baseline assumption in the United States, correct or not, that everybody was aiming, generally speaking, really since the end of World War II, at the same final result. The same final result was a stronger America on the foreign policy front with a stronger economy, with a, a more cordial relationship between Americans. We were all aiming at sort of the same thing with a moral basis. And we just had different ways of getting there. And this was the, the truism, the tautology that was put out there over and over and over, 80s, 90s, even 2000s. And now it's completely broken down because it appears that there really are two different countries culturally. So the culture battles matter. They matter an awful lot, not in terms of the actual policy that gets done, although given how hard the Biden administration is pushing on the left-wing policy, it does matter. But just in terms of the image as to what Americans want their country to be. I point this out because the, the culture wars are one of the reasons why Donald Trump became president in 2016. It's one of the reasons why Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida is very popular with the Republican base right now is because they're not steering away from the culture wars. For all of the 2000s, Republicans were so shy about culture war issues, they were told, don't talk about culture. Whatever you do, don't talk abortion. Don't talk same-sex marriage. Don't talk about any of these things because it's off-putting to people. You really want to just talk about the consensus issues like lower taxes or crime. Just avoid the hot topic culture issues. The left has pushed so far here that, of course, they're going to lose. They pushed way too far. They're way over the hill. And this is why the right is starting to win. Well, I'll tell you a way that you can win in your life, and that is you need to get yourself an all-form sofa. So I've talked about Helix before because my sleep is dependent on my Helix sleep mattress. But now Helix is making couches. Let me tell you, I love my all-form sofa. I love it. I love it so much. I got one for my mom. I got one for my sister. What makes an all-form sofa really great? Well, for starters, it's the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, the sofa color, the color of the legs, sofa size and shape. Make sure it's perfect for you and your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone. All-form sofas are also delivered directly to your door, and they have simple, quick assembly, no tools necessary. If getting a sofa without trying it in store sounds a little risky, you don't need to worry. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. All-form wants to do their part, offers exclusive discounts for teachers, students, military, and first responders. All-form also offers financing and flexible payment plans, so an amazing sofa is never far away. They've got a forever warranty, like literally for the rest of your days. To find your perfect sofa, go to allform.com slash Ben. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash Ben. Go check them out today, allform.com slash Ben. Well, now that the left has pushed so far beyond the point of reason, 
The right is pushing back and the right is winning a lot of people over. So there are a lot of indicators of this. One of the indicators is that the pop culture world is completely out of touch, completely out of touch. So the lead singer of Green Day has now announced that he's going to renounce his citizenship over the abortion ruling. Billy Joe Armstrong telling fans at a London concert he no longer wants to be a U.S. citizen. And I think most Americans are going to look at this and they're going to say, well, bye. But I mean, I, I know America's greatest artist, one of the great products 100 years from now, when we fire music into space for the aliens to find the greatest of, of world culture. I'm sure that Green Day's Billy Joe Armstrong will be on that record or maybe not. But the entire celebrity class has revolved around these social issues. And, and when the celebrity class is green lighting your social policy as it is for the Democratic Party, that is not going to be something that redounds to the benefit of the Republican Party. Now, the media, because they follow the lead of Green Day lead singers and Lord and Lily Allen, because they, they have the same exact policy positions as these people, the same social beliefs as these people, they are in a bubble of their own making where they think that this sort of stuff is really popular. The answer is it really isn't. Essie Cup last night, she was on CNN, and she said because of this, Essie Cup is, is very libertarian on social issues. She's been very libertarian on social issues for quite a long time. And she says Republicans are never going to win again because of the Roe versus Wade overturning. Uh, I have some news for her. Now, this is not going to age well, this particular clip. Anti-abortion activists got what they wanted, right? Which is to overturn Roe versus Wade. What happens now politically, do you think? It's hard to imagine the Republican Party surviving this. Um, between anti-abortion, anti-LGBTQ, book banning, anti-democracy, I mean, add all the regressive bullshit, uh, garbage, sorry, to this, I don't take that back. Um, Add it all together, and I don't know who's left in the future in future generations to be drawn to this party. If you look back at 2016, I think people voted for Trump for a wide array of reasons. Some of them garbage, but some of them legitimately economic or even foreign policy. I think the people voting for more Trump, more MAGA now are really motivated by very few reasons. And so there are fewer of them. And when you imagine that I think for the first time, maybe we should ask Jeff Tubin. a generation will be able to say my parents had a right that I don't have today. For the first time, a right was taken back. Um, I can't imagine how Republicans message to new voters and don't just keep shrinking and condensing. Okay, first of all, just to point out here, the Democratic agenda on this is the anti-democracy. They've been saying that the Supreme Court of the United States should basically be thrown out into the garbage. The filibuster ought to be killed. Elections ought to be rigged by Democratic gerrymandering. They've been saying all this stuff publicly and openly for months and now probably years going back. When she says you know, book burning and censorship, it's the left that's doing all that stuff. We're just saying that you don't get to indoctrinate the kids. But put that aside. She says, I don't know who's going to, in the future, who, who, how's this ever going to work? How are Republicans ever going to win again? Associated Press, today, a political shift is beginning to take hold across the United States as tens of thousands of suburban swing voters who helped fuel the Democratic Party's gains in recent years are becoming Republicans. Boom, 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 boom. Sad trombone from the Price is Right for SE Cup. More than 1 million voters across 43 states have switched to the Republican Party over the last year, according to voter registration data analyzed by the Associated Press. The previously unreported number reflects a phenomenon that is playing out in virtually every region of the country. Democratic and Republican states, along with cities and small towns, in the period since President Joe Biden replaced former President Trump. Nowhere is the shift more pronounced than in the suburbs. Right? This was supposed to be the place where Democrats were going to win broad swaths of Americans with their liberal social policy, where well-educated swing voters who turned against Trump's Republican Party in recent years appear to be swinging back. Over the last year, far more people are switching to the GOP across suburban counties from Denver to Atlanta and Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Republicans also gained ground in counties across medium-sized cities like Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Raleigh, North Carolina, Augusta, Georgia, and Des Moines, Iowa. The AP examined nearly 1.7 million voters who had likely switched affiliations across 42 states for which there is data over the last 12 months, according to L2, a political data firm. L2 uses a combination of state voter records and statistical modeling to determine party affiliation, meaning that the switchers include both those who have formally changed their registration and those who L2 estimates have shifted toward the GOP. The data shows a definite reversal from the period when Trump was in office when Democrats enjoyed a slight edge in the number of party switchers nationwide. Over the last year, roughly two-thirds of the 1.7 million voters who changed their party affiliation shifted Republican. 
In all, more than a million people became Republicans compared to about 630,000 who became Democrats. The broad migration of more than 1 million voters, a small portion of the overall U.S. electorate, doesn't ensure widespread Republican success in November. Still, the details about the party switchers present a dire warning for Democrats. Well, maybe it's because they've decided to embrace the most radical policies. By the way, states like Florida are now moving closer to pure red. Florida, for my entire lifetime, was a closely divided purple state. In 2018, the current governor of the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, beat Andrew Gillum, a man who was caught in a hotel room with a, with a gay hooker and meth like five minutes after he was governor and now is under federal indictment for corruption. He beat that guy by like 30,000 votes. This time around, Ron DeSantis is going to win in a walk. The Democratic Governors Association isn't even spending money. You want to know why that is? It's because Democratic policy is bad. It's because people are not interested in it. And because, again, even the issues where they think they are winning, they are not winning. Even the issues where they think that they have the momentum, they don't have the momentum. So to take the most obvious example of today on abortion, Democrats think they have the momentum. They look at the polls and they say, look, most Americans don't want full-scale pro-life laws all the way back to birth. And that's true if you look at the polls. It's also true if you look at the polls, the vast majority of Americans want some restrictions on abortion. The Democratic Party wants zero restrictions on abortion. And there's a much bigger problem for the Democrats than specific policy preferences on abortion by the American public. And that is the way Democrats talk about life itself. The way that Democrats talk about life and what is meaningful and how life ought to be constructed is very ugly to people. This is their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is not, you know, we the, the safe, legal, and rare argument by Democrats in the 90s was effective specifically because that argument acknowledged the moral evil that abortion is. It then made a bunch of arguments to sort of paper that over in order to get to the policy preferences that most Americans have, which is a sort of squishy somewhere in the middle position on abortion. I get it. Most people don't like to think through the issues. They just think I could convenient, I could see myself getting pregnant and six weeks in deciding I don't want it. And is it really that developed? And fine, abortion. But they don't actually want to come face to face with the actual moral quagmire that abortion represents. The Democratic Party in the 90s recognized that. And so they played a little euphemistic game where they would do safe, legal, and rare. We understand it's a moral sacrifice. We understand it's a real problem. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. It's a real hardship. And, but it has to be available. And that did reflect, I think, a huge number of Americans. The Democratic Party position today is celebrate your abortion. The Democratic Party position today is you have to teach kids about the virtue of abortion. You know, it, it, it's an amazing thing. The, the entire cultural move by the left has been to celebrate that which was once considered a necessary evil. There's no such thing as a necessary evil. There is only a recommended evil. So, for example, the senior editor at Scholastic Press, right, which, is a, which is a book publisher for children, she just released a statement three days ago, quote, I'll mention now, my colleagues and I absolutely do want your young adult books with or about abortions. There aren't enough of them. These stories need to be told and normalized. That's not going to change. Hey, it's that sort of stuff that is going to shift votes. I know that, that people in the political world, you know, we who spend our time analyzing legislation and reading court decisions and, and who look at the details of how Senate bills move and how, and how reconciliation committees put together the, the actual law. And, and we are obsessed with that kind of stuff. Most Americans are not. Most Americans have a casual view of what parties believe. And when they see that the left-wing party, the Democratic Party, is pushing a, a cultural future that looks extremely morally ugly, and they see that the Republican Party is pushing a, a future that significantly less so. That is not a particularly hard call. The Democratic Party position used to be, leave me alone in the privacy of my home to do what I want. And most Americans were like, okay, fine, fair enough. And then the Democratic Party decided we are now going to full-scale endorse and celebrate every form of bad behavior we can. And most Americans are not on board with that. And Democrats can't help themselves. They really, really cannot. The Democratic Party has decided that their utopian vision involves all of us just celebrating, celebrating sin and bad behavior and engaging in it. And this is the true measure of human happiness. Well, that's stupid. You know, it's another stupid thing. Another stupid thing would be not checking out Alto Crypto IRA because the fact is that I'm a fan of Bitcoin and Bitcoin took it on the chin over the last couple months, which means that you're going to be able to get it for a lot lower price and it's not going down to zero. Listen, I'm an investor in Bitcoin, so I'm just full disclosure. I have money in Bitcoin. I have money in Ethereum. I think that Bitcoin is the wave of the future still. And I'm not, you know, sort of a, a springtime investor. I'm somebody who puts my money in things that I think are going to go someplace. And then I leave it there for a very long time. Open an Alto Crypto IRA today to get involved. Alto Crypto IRA is a great way to start investing and trading in crypto with a tax advantage retirement account. No commissions, no paperwork. Alto makes investing in crypto really, really easy. You can create an account in just a few minutes and invest with as little as 10 bucks. 
Just create your account, transfer funds, and start investing today. Through Alto's integration with Coinbase, you get secure trading 24-7, 150-plus available coins on their interface, including my favorites, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Alto offers industry-leading security and alternative investment opportunities through some of the world's most recognized platforms and fund partners. Open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as 10 bucks. Just go to altoira.com slash Ben. That is A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash Ben. You can start investing in cryptocurrency today. Head on over to altoira.com slash Ben. So let's talk for a second about the, the democratic angle on all of this. Okay, because it does speak to the kind of culture that they want to purvey. And most Americans look at their kids and they say, I don't want my kids growing up in this culture. So for example, the way that they talk about abortion, Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States, yesterday she, she made a very telling statement. She was trying to, I understand she's inarticulate. I understand that, that Kamala Harris can't string together more than two sentences without having to circle back around and repeat herself. I understand that she's a very bad example of a person who thinks before she talks because she really doesn't. She starts off a sentence not knowing where the sentence is going to end. But the statement that she made in the CNN exclusive about why abortion is necessary carries such an ugly underlying moral message that is worthy of comment because this is the belief of a huge swath of Democratic Party. Here's Kamala Harris. Everyone has something at risk on this. First of all, if you are a parent of sons, do think about what this means for the life of your son and what that will mean in terms of the choices he will have. Do think about it in the context of the fact that they, they wrote this decision, including you know, concurring opinions, that suggests that other rights, such as the freedom to make decisions about when you were going to start a family, the freedom and the right to make decisions about contraception, IUDs, um, what this is going to mean in terms of in vitro fertilization. Okay, that statement, think about what it means in the life of your son. This goes to the underlying sexual ethos of the Democratic Party, which is pure, complete promiscuity and hedonism. That is the underlying ethos, that that is an active good, that anything that impedes your ability to lead the sexually self-fulfilling life that you want, including responsibility to children or to your sexual partner, that these things are active bads and any imposition on that, including to save the life of a child, is is of complete non-concern. I mean, this, this falls directly in line with something that, that then-Senator Obama said when he was talking about abortion. And, and he said about his own kids at the time, he said, I'm going to teach them first about values and morals, but if they make a mistake, I don't want them punished with a baby. Right? This is the language of the Democratic Party. That, that, that it's, it's, it's about being punished with a baby. That think about the, I mean, what Kamala Harris is saying there is think about your sons. You have sons. Your sons want to bang around. That's what they want to do. Let's be real. Your sons want to have as much sex with as many people as humanly possible. Now they're going to have to think about things like maybe they shouldn't have as much sex with as many people as humanly possible because they might have a baby and you wouldn't want them to have to take care of a baby now, would you? You wouldn't want them to have to take responsibility for their sexual decision-making, would you? To the consequences of their sexual decision-making? The Democratic Party has spent the last several decades trying to enmesh in the idea of sex, the idea that it is completely disconnected from procreation, breaking every rule of mammalian biology for hundreds of thousands of years. The idea is that sex is a completely separate thing, that thanks to birth control, thanks to contraception, and thanks to abortion, we now have a completely sexually fluid population where the main concern is genital pleasure. That is not a winner. That is not a winner. That's not how most people think of fulfillment. Kamala Harris and Howard Stern are saying the same thing. Howard Stern is never going to win public office in the United States because nobody agrees with the morality of Howard Stern. Until five seconds ago, Howard Stern, he's now considered a moral voice on the left. The show me your guy. Right, this guy, he's considered some sort of moral voice on the left because he's pro-abortion. You want to know why Howard Stern is pro-abortion? Because the hedonistic lifestyle is precisely what he's been pushing for decades. I'm not saying he's not a talented broadcaster. He's a talented broadcaster who also says to women, show me your Until five seconds ago, Howard Stern was considered a huge sexist because he is a huge sexist. He treats women as pieces of meat. He's done this for decades. And now he's the great defender of women, according to the left, because we're all supposed to treat everybody as pieces of meat all the time. So Howard Stern yesterday, repeating the same sort of arguments you're getting from the vice president of the United States. The Democratic Party didn't used to be on board with Howard Stern's version of morality. Now they are. Here's Howard Stern saying that he wants to run for president to pack the Supreme Court because he just needs a board. Now, do you think that Howard Stern is so concerned with the liberation of women for any other reason than he likes sexual promiscuity? Do you think Howard Stern, of all human beings, is deeply concerned with the independence of women's decision-making or the future of the country? Again, this guy is mostly famous for having women in his 
studio and asking them to make out with each other. Here is Howard Stern, great moral exemplar. We, as a country, voted for Hillary Clinton by three million votes. We voted for uh, Biden because it was repugnant, all of this horse. But now for life, we're st- now listen. The other thing is, if I do run for president and I'm not f-ing around, I'm really thinking about it because the only other thing I'm going to do is appoint five more Supreme Court justices. Well, I mean, that is exactly what, what the Democrats would like to do. OK, that is the moral world that they are pushing. And it's, it's embedded in so much of, of the media. Like it, they just take for granted the idea that we all want this moral world where everything boils down to your, subject, your, your subjective sense of sexual pleasure and that everybody should celebrate you for that subjective sense of sexual pleasure. It's why the left, they, they literally cannot con- comprehend why there are so many people who, for example, are not on board with gay pride flags flying at Target when you take your kids to shop. And they, they just don't understand this because obviously we all have the same goal according to the left. The same goal according to the left is that individual sense of sexual self-pleasure that matters most. That is what human happiness is. And so this is embedded in, in the media coverage. So there's an article from insider.com. I only spotted it because Twitter was featuring it because Twitter is a left-wing media outlet. And so they have all these featured articles. And here is what the article says. It's, it's astonishing. It says, swearing off men and avoiding intimacy, Gen Z reconsider sex in the wake of a post-Roe world. Now, this is supposed to be an unfettered evil, right? This is an unfettered evil that, oh my God, women and men, they might start treating each other as something other than a sexual object. Oh my God, that's terrible. That's, that's just awful and terrible. Madeline V might be done with men altogether. The 24-year-old marketing assistant who identifies as bisexual, Madeline, who asked that Insider use only her first name, has decided that sticking to female partners may be the safest sexual route these days. That's an interesting way to make your sexual decisions. Is I want to be as promiscuous as I want, so I need to find a partner who is incapable of, of creating children naturally with me. It's not fear of men exactly that has inspired this young woman to consider swearing off an entire gender. It's the heightened fear of an unwanted pregnancy and a subsequent lack of options that has forced Madeline to proceed with sexual caution in the wake of Friday's Supreme Court decision gutting federal abortion rights protections. Adeline T., a 17-year-old high school student in Houston, Texas area, told the insider she was genuinely terrified when she found out Roe might be overturned. Adeline, whose identity is known by the insider, asked that her name not be used. Her conservative home state certainly plays a role in that fear. Surprisingly enough, I've actually had dreams where I'm pregnant and I can't find a way to take care of myself, Adeline said later correcting herself, saying the visions were more akin to nightmares. The bad dreams are new, only taking hold in her mind since the decision was leaked. These nightmares could be a reality, Adeline said. Catherine D., a 19-year-old college student whose identity is known by Insider, said she was initially shocked when she learned about the leaked opinion. When she stepped back and thought about it objectively, the decision became less surprising as she considered the Supreme Court's, Supreme Court's gender, race, and age makeup. They're not personally affected by it. Earlier this month, Insider published several social media callouts requesting reactions, responses, and replies from members of Gen Z regarding their thoughts on hookup culture and sex in a possible post-Roe world. Dozens of people shared their insights. Some bemoaned a constant fear of getting pregnant. Others described shattered views of child rearing in a world plagued by climate change, COVID-19, and attacks on women's reproductive rights. I love this. It's immoral to have a kid because of COVID-19 and climate change. Also, it's really, really moral for me to bang around with whoever I want and treat people as, as just pure sexual objects for pleasure. Respondees offered a list of colorful words to, des- words to describe their emotions around the draft decision. Angry, upset, disgust, and dread, chief among them. The majority of young people who participated in the discussion said they were pro-choice and expressed anger at the possibility the highest court in the land could soon overturn a person's right to choose, anecdotally confirming national statistics on the topic. Gen Z is sexually and racially and ethnically diverse. They are more likely than previous generations to support the protection of LGBT rights. And they are the queerest generation on record, one in six American Gen Z members identifying as LGBT. All of these factors have inevitably affected the attitudes toward sex of the members of Gen Z insiders spoke to. Members of the generation told Insider they and their peers approach sexual relationships and intimacy in an entirely different way than previous generations. Gen Z is one of the most open about sex and hookup culture, Adeline said. She told Insider that among her friends, most women are entirely supportive of other women's sexual decisions, whether they are sexually active or celibate. Many of the people Insider spoke to said they've noticed their generational peers becoming more politically active in recent years. But Gen Z's progressive attitudes and go-get-em advocacy can sometimes feel like an unfair expectation on the youngest generation. While Gen Z's feelings about abortion are fairly analogous for our polling, the responses Insider received in regards to living post-Roe are decidedly more individual. 
Ever since the draft decision was leaked, Adeline said she's been having to rethink whether or not she wants to start having sex. Telling insiders she's terrified to make a choice that could leave her with an unwanted child. Oh my God, teenagers might be more sexually responsible? That's crazy. That's terrible. We can't have that. That'd be bad. Catherine D. Had, was already participating in hookup culture before the Supreme Court decision dropped. Being on birth control is not an option due to the way it negatively affects her physical and mental health, Catherine said. So she's been left to reevaluate the consequences of casual sex that have suddenly become very real. As much as I want to have fun in my 20s, what happens to me when the fun stops? What happens to me when I might be in need of an abortion and can't access that? The unknowns have left her feeling like a more reserved version of herself as she contemplates the risks now tied to her body. Again, for the left, biology is an obstacle to true human freedom and equality. And the only solution to that is abortion. The only solution to that is the death of the unborn. This is the culture. This is the cheer your abortion, celebrate your abortion culture the left is pushing. Again, this is not about the specific policy with regard to abortion. This is about the general perception that people are going to have of the political sides of the aisle. The argument that the left is making is that abortion is an, the lack of abortion is a radical imposition on the sexual choices of women and of men, right? Kamala Harris says of men too. And that this is inherently bad. And most Americans, I think, see that sex is something that should be done in the context of a committed relationship where you might raise a child with somebody because historically, sex has led to childbearing. The overthrow of biology, the overthrow of the connection between sex and childbearing, you know, that has not led to a happier world. It has led to a, a more mentally unstable world. It has led to fluidity of relationships that are very bad for people. The left got what it wanted in terms of its sexual utopia. And it turns out it's a pretty crappy place. Look at the mental illness rates among kids. Look at the mental illness rates among teenagers. Look at the lack of marriage, the lack of childbearing. Look at the demographic decline of the West. None of this is a good thing. Now, you get to make, it's a free society. You get to make your own sexual decisions. But the idea that abortion in and of itself is an inherent good, again, not something that is bad or evil and occasionally has to be done. See, the, the argument that's made by the more popular sort of pro-abortion Arguments that are broadly popular are the ones about rape and incest and, and life of the mother. You know, stuff that's actually controversial on a moral level. But when it comes to the mainstream abortion, which is 99% of abortions, the woman who gets pregnant, doesn't want to be pregnant, gets rid of the baby. When it comes to that, the shift in the language of the left from this is a thing that is tragic, but sometimes needs to be used, to it's an act of good and we should celebrate it, runs directly in kind with the argument that the true human fulfillment lies in genital pleasure, the Freudian notion that true human happiness lies in genital pleasure beyond all else. And this is why you have the Planned Parenthood CEO saying that this is like imposing slavery. Because in her view, saying to people that you should be responsible about your sexual decisions and keep in mind that you might produce a child for which you will be responsible, this is like slavery. Biology is like slavery. Being subject to the laws of biology in which you get pregnant after sex, which is the way, again, of all mammalian species, that this is a form of slavery. We have seen such extreme laws being introduced in states like Missouri and Louisiana, criminalizing not just telemedication abortion, but also things like contraception, IUDs, uh, perhaps I IVF. Uh, and that idea that you couldn't travel across your own state boundary um, is just uh, just such a bizarre construct, right? It just obviously harkens back to, to slavery. So we are incredibly concerned about what might happen and to have the White House uh, and the administration thinking about all of the ways to get care to people is so important. Okay, and again, this is part and parcel of the argument biology is some sort of radical imposition. Dr. Lisa Harris on CNN doing the same thing. She literally, this is, this is a talking point in the Democratic Party now, is that pregnancy is an imposition on a woman. Pregnancy, which is a woman's superpower. It is literally what all of humankind is dependent upon is a woman's ability to get pregnant. That this is somehow a radical imposition of evil upon a woman. And therefore, the real argument is that we should be making is that abortion is safer than giving birth, which leads to the argument that if you really want to keep women safe, then presumably we should actually just sterilize all the women. If you just, if all you're caring about is women's sexual freedom and all you care about is, is the, the health of the woman, according to this argument, it's not an argument I'm making because it's an evil argument. According to this argument, theoretically, the best thing a woman could do is sterilize herself to keep herself safe. This is according to Dr. Lisa Harris on CNN. The research shows that abortion is safer than continuing a pregnancy and giving birth. So simply by more women giving birth, we can expect maternal mortality to rise as much as 21% overall. 
It won't be felt equally, though, because we have uh, racial disparities in death from pregnancy in this country. Black women. Pregnancy is immoral. It kills people. Pregnancy is unsafe. They will see the burden of this. That's the argument that this doctor is making on CNN. Pregnancy is unsafe. It kills women. It's bad. Pregnancy is an act of bad. Abortion is an act of good. Pregnancy is an act of bad. Sexual fluidity and promiscuity is an act of good. Sexual responsibility is an act of bad. You think that argument's going to play in mainstream America? You think that's what the Democratic Party has decided to embrace this? As the core of their definition of the mystery of human life, as Justice Kennedy might say in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. The goal of the Democratic Party is to take any sort of call for sexual morality responsibility for the next generation, for natural human biology, and to make that effectively illegal in the public sphere. It's not just that the left is in love with abortion as a sacramental object. It is that they really despise religion. This is part of the utopian vision for how we individually seek our complete sexual selves. All of this is really, really counterproductive. You know what else is counterproductive? Not getting your mortgage refinanced if you have a better mortgage option available. The cost of everything is rising right now. I mean, everything, especially if there's an interest rate tied to it. Have you seen some of the numbers lately? Debt is about to get a lot more expensive really, really soon. So it's time to sneak in under the wire right now. Give our friends at American Financing a call right now. Learn about your options. I mean it. They're a family-owned lender known for saving customers up to 1000 bucks a month, plus tens of thousands of bucks long-term. Their mortgage consultants can review your entire financial picture to find every opportunity to help you save. That may be offering more flexible mortgage terms, consolidating your high-interest debt, or even helping you access cash. So why not learn more? You can get a free no-obligation mortgage review right now by calling 866 721 3300. That is 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182-334, MLSConsumerAccess.org. Go check them out right now. 866-721-3300 or give them a visit at AmericanFinancing.net. See what financial options you have on the table because again, the crunch is here. See all your options. 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. All right, tomorrow night, June 29th, it's Backstage Live, our biggest live event of the year. Once again, we are at the historic Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. It'll be a historic night for The Daily Wire. Check out last year's event. Welcome to The Daily Wire backstage live at the famous Ryman Auditorium. It was amazing. We were in the presence of greatness. The energy of having everyone on the same page was amazing. If your family member is still waiting for Fauci to give them permission to leave their house, it might be time to cut that off. <laughs> I'm actually pretty excited to meet all of them. I love everybody's opinion individually. I don't have a favorite. I like them all. I had found out a way to make football players cry in high school. My high school experience would be a lot. I'm just excited to be here and be surrounded by like-minded people and to just, you know, feel that energy. Who should we remove from office? Yeah, you, one you politician, one. the most powerful politician in the country. <laughs> Dr. Fauci, Dr. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're doing culture here. I'm so thrilled to see this happening. If they say to half of the country, you can't, that half of the country needs to say, screw you, we will. And if you thought last year was good, Wait until you see this year's. We have so much good stuff for you. Like surprises galore. Tune into the live stream tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, dailywire.com slash Ryman to join me, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, Andrew Clavin, co-CEO God King Jeremy Boring as we dig into the political and cultural issues of the day. We've done a lot of stuff this year and you've enjoyed all of it. I know you have. We did Terror on the Prairie with Gina Carano or seeing what happens when we ask basic questions like what is a woman? These wins are only possible because people like you have joined us in the fight. Now, a lot of these other companies are publicly traded. They're taking stock money and then they're using it to do things. They have a bunch of outside investors. We don't. We're doing it because you have membership. Your membership makes you an investor in Daily Wire, essentially. Head on over to dailywire.com slash men. Get 25% off your new membership today. Tune in to Backstage Live at the Ryman tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern. Find out what's coming next. Oh, man, we have some big, big announcements and surprises. You're going to want to tune in. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. <laughs> So if the left-wing vision is sexual freedom above all, that's the only thing that matters. And again, I'm not saying that we should make sexual activity illegal. I'm saying there are natural consequences to sexual activity. And one of those natural consequences is the possibility of having a kid. I mean, at least when it comes to, to a man and a woman having sex, like a biological man and a woman. I know the left doesn't know the definition of these words anymore. The, the left's definition of full-scale human happiness is that. And that means any obstacle, biology, religion, these are all very bad. Okay, so yesterday, there was a case that came down from the Supreme Court. And again, this is a culture war issue where the right is going to win because most people are not on the side of, of the left's attempt to bar all religion from public expression in life. So this decision was a case about a, a person named Joe Kennedy. Joe Kennedy is a coach. 
He was a coach in Washington State, I believe, at the Bremerton School District. And he made the unfortunate error of after football games, he would go to the 50-yard line and he would pray. Like voluntary, he didn't tell any of the students they had to, he didn't tell any of the opposing students they had to. It was not part of the school curriculum, nothing. It was a personal prayer. Like while all the other coaches were on the sidelines texting their friends or tweeting or whatever, he would go out to the 50-yard line and he would say a personal prayer. And it turns out a bunch of the students liked this. And many of the students would go and they would gather with him and they would pray. From both sides, by the way, people on the opposing team would show up and pray with him, demonstrating this was not a school activity. This is another school. He didn't have any authority at the other school. Okay, so he was fired for this. And he sued. He said, this is a violation of my religious freedom principles. The court decided six to three, it is a violation of religious freedom principles to say that you can be fired for the great crime of uttering a personal prayer in which others join. The opinion by Justice Gorsuch suggests that the direction that, that Gorsuch is moving, because remember, Gorsuch is the same justice who wrote the ridiculous decision in Bostock that suggested that the Civil Rights Act of 1965 somehow covers transgenderism in Title IX. Right? He suggested that discrimination against women is equivalent to discrimination against transgender women or transgender men or whatever it may be. It's a really, really bad decision, Bostock. But what he's attempting to do, you can see now, is set up the Utah Compromise. The Utah Compromise is the state of legislation in Utah whereby they have a very, very highly rigid anti-discrimination law that includes things like sexual orientation and gender identity, but huge carve-outs for religious freedom. That seems to be what Gorsuch is setting up here. But here's what Gorsuch writes about the expression of religion in public. He said, both the free exercise and the free speech clauses of the First Amendment protect expressions like Mr. Kennedy's, nor does a proper understanding of the Amendment's Establishment Clause, right, that's the clause saying you can't establish a religion, require the government to single out private religious speech for special disfavor. The Constitution and the best of our traditions counsel mutual respect and tolerance, not censorship and suppression for religious and non-religious views alike. What the left likes to do with the First Amendment and the freedom of religion is they like to read it in direct opposition to the Establishment Clause. Okay, so what the First Amendment to the United States Constitution says about religion is that you can't establish a religion and also you can't prohibit the free exercise thereof. These are meant to be read in tandem. The idea was that if you establish, say, Catholicism as the official religion of a state, what you are doing is prohibiting the free exercise of other people's religion. The Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause are not read in opposition. It's not that the government can't establish a religion and also has to guarantee free exercise. It's that by preventing the establishment, you are guaranteeing free exercise. That's what it means. So what the left has said is this means that free exercise really doesn't matter. And the only thing that matters is that the government is not allowed to allow to allow you to do things that are religious in public spaces. That would be establishment. If the government allows you to do a religious thing in a public space, this is now establishment. So says, says Gorsuch, in truth, there is no conflict between the constitutional commands before us. There's only the mere shadow of a conflict, a false choice premised on a misconstruction of the establishment clause. Okay, so Sotomayor's dissent. Right? Sonia Sotomayor writes for the liberals. And what she says is that any public expression of religion on public grounds could be a violation of the Establishment Clause and therefore ought to be barred by the government and might get you fired. And so what she says, this is a direct quote, she says, while the court reaffirms that the Establishment Clause clause prohibits the government from coercing participation in religious exercise, it applies a nearly toothless version of the coercion analysis, failing to acknowledge the unique pressures faced by students when participating in school-sponsored activities. This decision does a disservice to schools and the young students they serve, as well as to our nation's long-standing commitment to the separation of church and state. So what she is saying is that if a person prays in a public context, this is a form of coercion. Just like biology is a form of coercion, it turns out that me practicing my religion without forcing you to do anything is a form of coercion because the left has a, has a belief system. And that belief system is that the systems of power that are embedded in the world all around us define us. And if we got rid of all those things, we would be perfectly free to do what we want. And that means we must forcibly disestablish religion. Not prevent the establishment of, forcibly disestablish it. You must never encounter religion in your daily life. You might then run up against the reality of an idea you don't like, and that would inhibit you in deep and abiding ways. And that would be a real net negative. That would be a real problem. Again, this is a, a major issue inside the feminist movement. It's been a major issue inside the feminist movement for years. One of the big ideas of the feminist movement, in fact, is the idea that the reason that women act the way they do is because of cultural indoctrination. Right, so this is why Simone de Boivier was writing in The Second Sex in 1949. Everything helps to confirm this hierarchy in the eyes of the little girl. The historical and literary culture to which she belongs, the songs and legends with which she is lulled to sleep, are one long exaltation of man. Children's books, mythology, stories, tales, all reflect the myths born of the pride and desires of men. Thus, it is through that, it is that through, the, through the eyes of men, the little girl discovers the world and reads therein her destiny. 
So the argument of the left is always that all of the institutions are biased in favor of things like, for example, marriage or child rearing. And if we just blow up the institutions, then we can all truly be free to be who we want. And that will be the new magic utopia. That's the vision of the left. And it's being spelled out fully by Sonia Sotomayor in that dissent in the religious freedom case. So you have two contrasting visions. Contrasting vision number one. We have a, a system in which sexual responsibility is taught and forwarded. We have a system in which marriage is seen as an actual good. We have a system in which we try to protect the lives of the unborn because that, in fact, is our future. We have a system in which we don't establish religion, but public practice of religion is a good thing and treated as a good thing. And then on the other side, we have an idea that your private sexual activity is made public. Everyone is forced to celebrate that private sexual activity. We are supposed to treat the killing of the unborn as a fundamental right that guarantees you the ability to lead your sexually fluid lifestyle as far as you wish. And we're going to indoctrinate your children in these principles. Which one of those directions do you think the United States is likely to take? Which direction do you think the United States is likely to take? And you're starting to see this come out in the actual policy that's being pursued by the Democratic Party. Now, the Democratic Party does not have a lot of options when it comes to actual abortion policy at this point, because again, the federal government is no longer in the abortion business. The, the Supreme Court of the United States effectively just delegated this thing back to the states. But Democrats have to say something to their constituents about why, if you elect more Democratic senators, then magically they'll be able to put Roe back in place. And so they've been struggling to come up with some sort of solution. And they're not really coming up with much. Joe Biden, apparently, so here are his, his sort of minor solutions. One, he's going to allow federal employees to, to use sick leave to get abortion now. According to LifeNews.com, without actually mentioning the word abortion, the Biden administration swiftly created a new pro-abortion benefit for federal employees. Bloomberg reports the U.S. Office of Personnel Management published a document on Monday stating that federal employees now may use sick days if they or one of their family members needs to travel for, quote-unquote, medical care. By medical care, they mean abortion. The document does not mention abortion, but the Biden administration believes killing unborn babies and abortion is medical care. The document states that federal employees who find it necessary to travel longer distances, including out of state to obtain medical care, are allowed to use sick days. If the leave is less than three days, the employee doesn't need to give a reason to their supervisor. If it's longer, the doctor's excuse, quote, need not contain details regarding the medical examination or treatment. So obviously, this is the federal government now in the business of effectively using your taxpayer dollars to subsidize abortions because that is what it is. I mean, that, that seems like a basic violation of the Hyde Amendment because if you're paying for somebody's sick day and the sick day is being used to do an abortion, that would be subsidization of abortion. The federal government using your taxpayer dollars to pay somebody to go get an abortion. That's what Joe Biden wants. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren is out there saying, what if we set up abortion clinics in national parks? I'm not kidding. Her goal, she now wants to use federal dollars, not just to subsidize abortions, but it'll be like you drive into Yellowstone and there's just a Planned Parenthood to kill your baby. So drop your kids off at daycare and then the one that's still in your, in your uterus, eh, just leave it at Yellowstone. You know? She says, they could put up tents, have trained personnel and be there to help people who need it. It's time to declare a medical emergency. Tents in national, their solution is tents in national parks for abortion. That's how much they love abortion. We're going to turn Yosemite into an abortion clinic. Well, for her part, Kamala Harris was asked about whether abortion services would now be available on federal land. She's like, yeah, we can't, like, no. Like, under what rubric could we even do? When Kamala Harris is saying no to things, you know it's pretty radical. Can the administration expand abortion access or abortion services on federal land? meaning provide the access on federal land that might be in and around states that ban abortion? I think that what is most important right now is that we ensure that the restrictions that the states are trying to put up um, that would prohibit a woman from exercising what we still maintain is her right, that we do everything we can to empower women to not only seek, but to receive the care where it is available. Is federal land uh, one of those options? I mean, it's not right now what we are discussing. So what are they discussing? They're discussing the possibility of sending travel vouchers to women who want an abortion. So again, the Hyde Amendment says that the federal government will not spend taxpayer dollars to subsidize abortion. This has been a longstanding part of bipartisan American policy going back to the 90s. And now she's basically talking about just trashing it. She says, we're going to send travel vouchers for abortion. So you can go to Abortion Disneyland over in California. Women who have access to resources will probably be far less impacted by this decision than women who don't have resources. So this is something that we are looking at because we know, for example, in terms of how this is going to actually impact real people, over half of women who, who receive abortions in America are moms. It means that they may have to put up money for a train or a bus or a plane 
much less a hotel. And so we want to make sure that there does not result um, extreme disparities or any disparities based on who can receive care based on how much money they've got. So you, the American taxpayer, you know, you paid for your family, you're paying for public education, you're paying for welfare, you're paying for everything else. You're not going to pay for some woman who got pregnant to travel out of state to get an abortion. I hope that uh, in a time of recession that you're up for this challenge. The HHS secretary, Xavier Becerra, who again has no record in health, and it's it's amazing. I mean, they literally just took a guy who was like the AG of California doing a crap job. And like, what, what if we just made him HHS secretary? So Xavier Becerra, he says the same thing. He says, we're going to actually use federal taxpayer dollars and pay people to go out of state for abortions. We are looking into everything, including assisting in transportation, something that HHS doesn't typically do. Can you do that legally? Uh, talk to me later. Uh, I mean, that's do, a big question, right? I, I always tell my team at HHS, uh, if you've done your homework, then we have no right to do mild. And so we're going to be aggressive and go all the way. And I, I would tell you if uh, you're recording, so I won't tell you. So, uh, this is all on the record, yeah. Mr. Secretary. We are looking at every option, and among those is transportation. Mm. There are other options, too. So how many of your taxpayer dollars can they spend on abortion? Because they, listen, the culture of sexual license must be preserved at all costs. That, that is what America is all about. I mean, that, Nancy Pelosi literally said that. She went on Drag Queen's show with RuPaul and said that that's what America is all about. So if that's the party that you wish to vote for, really go for it. Nancy Pelosi says we should kill the filibuster in order to get all of these things done. So remember, the party that is very much in favor of Democrat, uh, democratic institutions and historic institutions, and they're very angry at Donald Trump because he attacked institutions. They want to tear down the Supreme Court, abolish the Senate, get rid of the filibuster, and, you know, maybe just take over all policy at the regulatory level. So she said that... Um, she wants to kill the filibuster. She listed bullet points outlining the goals of legislation she will introduce, including having personal data stored in reproductive health apps, clarifying that Americans have a constitutional right to travel freely across the country. I mean, first of all, that I mean, Justice Kavanaugh says that in his concurrence in Dobbs. So thank you, Nancy Pelosi. And then she wants to pass the Women's Health Protection Act, which would enshrine Roe versus Wade into the law of the land. You don't actually have the power to do that. The Women's Health Protection Act is wildly unconstitutional. There's no basis for enshrining Roe at the congressional level. And, uh, and then she said that we should get rid of the filibuster in order to make all of this stuff happening. She said, she said, quote, we need to eliminate the filibuster so that we can restore women's fundamental rights and freedom for every American. And th these are fans of the institutions, folks. These are the people that you ought to trust with the institutions. I mean, honestly, I'm not too surprised by Nancy Pelosi, considering that when she's not in favor of killing unborn children, she's also just elbowing them out of the way. <laughs> she, was, she was present at the um, swearing in of Maya Flores who is the new congresswoman, first Mexican-American congresswoman uh, from Texas, Republican. And uh, Flores' kids were there. And uh, Nancy Pelosi doesn't like to be too close to the kids. I mean, that, that's not, that, you know, kids are uncomfortable. She, she doesn't like it too much. So the kids are trying to get in on the picture. And Nancy's like, well, what if I just, whoop, whoop. she just takes that elbow <laughs> and pushes them out of the way. Uh, we wanted our pastor to come into the here she goes in, and then, whoop, there it goes. There's that elbow. And then we got the slow-mo. Let's put it in slow-mo. Run that back. Monday Night Football. Oh! There it is. Yep. I'm going to need you to move away, small child. I'm going to need you. Please move away from me. I love children. To eat! <laughs> oh, yeah. So, here, here's the thing. The, the basic premise that the that the media are now pushing is that what people care most about is the level of legislation in a given state with regard to abortion or at the federal level with regard to abortion. That is not how people vote. The way that people vote is they have a generalized perception of the people whom they are voting for or against. If they'd voted based on policy in 2020, Joe Biden would not be president right now. And they voted for Joe Biden because they didn't like Donald Trump's personality and they had a certain perception of how he was running the government. The same thing is going to happen in 2022. The Democratic Party has wed itself. It's a, it's a completely anti-life party in the sense that there's, I, I think there may be one congressperson in the entire Democratic Party and in the House of Representatives who, who counts himself pro-life, maybe two. Okay, they've decided to move radically in, in one direction socially. And those culture wars that they thought were their winning ticket, they thought that those culture wars are a winning ticket. And the establishment Republican Party thought for years it was the winning ticket too. You weren't supposed to talk about these issues. You were supposed to put them, you know, force them into the closet, never talk about it, never talk about same-sex marriage, never talk about indoctrination of kids, never talk about abortion. That's, that's alienating to the suburban women. Well, now that the Democrats have decided that they can 
fly their flag with regard to what they believe the good life looks like, it turns out not a lot of people are on that particular side of the aisle. So they can push this as hard as they want. But notice that the language that they are using is not with regard to rational and reasonable abortion legislation in quotation marks, right? The kind of consensus legislation that would be widely popular in the United States. They're not talking about that. They're talking about the kind of life that people should lead. And the kind of life they think people should lead is promiscuous people who redefine their gender at every available turn, living by themselves with a small dog in an apartment in New York City. That is what the happy life looks like. Well, good luck to you if that's if that's what you believe that most Americans believe. Now, that is going to be a large scale mistake. Democrats ought to move away from this as fast as humanly possible if they wish to retain any shred of credibility with the vast majority of Americans who don't think that that is what utopia looks like, particularly. All right, we'll be back here later today with more content. Coming up soon is The Matt Wall Show, airing 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, hair and makeup artist and wardrobe Fabiola Cristina, production coordinator Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Wall Show, it went largely unnoticed, but last week the Biden administration officially proposed changes to Title IX that would legally erase women. And they did this even as they scream about alleged attacks on women's rights. We'll talk about that. Also, horror at the border as 50 people are left to die in the back of a truck after being smuggled across the border. This is what compassionate open borders policies gets you. And Kamala Harris launches into a transphobic rant in response to Roe. You have to hear this to believe it. Awful stuff. Plus, more celebrities threaten us with a good time by promising to leave the country because Roe is overturned. In our daily cancellation, we review the work of acclaimed best-selling poet laureate Amanda Gorman. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Hey, 